Big When my sisters and I were little kids, my mother would introduce us to her friends as well-mannered, housebroken children. We wouldn't bite, we wouldn't scratch, and she even had our tails docked. And I guess that's why I grew up always wanting a tail. And even today, I still kinda want a tail. Curioso. A curioso is someone who inquires in esoteric matters. A collector of knowledge. Curioso Podcast. Joe, so before we start the episode, I was thinking, sometimes we have like little announcements and things that we talk about before we get into it. Right. And I was thinking, maybe we should call them journal entries. Okay, so like uh, Curioso Podcast, journal entries, star date. Start, yeah, it's like a star log. Sure. Okay. But that, for the Curioso. So like housekeeping. Housekeeping stuff. Like updates. Right. Updates so, and housekeeping. Sure. So today's, uh, today's journal entry, mm-hmm. uh, I just wanted to... Start off by saying I performed at 2017's World Sword Swallowing Day this past weekend. Mm -hmm. It was amazing. I just wanted to say thank you so much to Dash Rippington and Corey Twinge for helping me perform. Now, they're they're not sword swallowers, but they came up to perform sideshow feats with me. Were they in that other troupe you were talking about? Yeah, they're both in the Coffin Box uh, sideshow Mm -hmm. and uh, amazing performers. They came up and helped uh, perform with me and helped fill out the show a little bit Mm -hmm. uh, so it could be nice and long and I wouldn't have to perform the whole time (laughs) and take a drink of water and relax and not have to entertain for an hour. Mm -hmm. And uh, we dropped swords even though it started raining. We just quickly moved everything inside and the crowd kind of brought inside and I was able to swallow the sword for everybody and not get soaking wet at the same time. And it was amazing. And uh, I just wanted to say... uh, also, thank you to uh, Caitlin, who is the ma- new manager over there. Oh, okay. Now, um, Nora, the, mm-hmm. who we had on for the Ripley's episode, she's now moved over to uh, the Baltimore Aquarium. Yes. So that's where she's working now. So uh, hopefully when we do our cephalopods episode, Maybe we can Nora talk to her. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, Caitlin was awesome and a great host. And I just wanted to say thank you to Ripley's. And uh, Dan Myers, the head of the SSAI, Sword Swallowers Association International, Mm -hmm. for uh, letting me be a part of it. Awesome. So uh, just a few other things, and these are more of a downer, Joe. Oh, no. Now, we're recording this probably about, I don't know, five or six days before we're going to put it out. So did you hear uh, about today's celebrity death? Uh, I think so. I just don't know if it's real. It is absolutely real. Apparently, Mr. Bill Paxton... Uh, has died at the age of 61. Oh, man, that is crazy. Right. So uh, you might know him as uh, as Chet mm-hmm. from, uh, uh, what was the one where they were brows on their heads? Weird Science. Yes. He was Chet and Weird Science. I think that was the first time I ever saw him. Mm-hmm. So, and, oh, God, he's been in so many different things. I think my favorite movie that he was ever in was Frailty. Did you ever see that one? No. Such a good horror movie. So amazing. And uh, recently, I saw him on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Hmm. Yeah, he played the bad guy in, like, season three or something like that. Okay, you're, you're missing Alien. Oh, oh yeah. No, Game I, over, man. I'm pointing out the stuff that <laughs> I know, right? I'm pointing out the stuff that, like, I know him for. Well, like, I know Alien, but... I just watched... I, ha- I bought this, uh, like, sci-fi movie pack thing. Cause right. I, just, I love those things. And usually they're old, crappy, Roger Corman-style, mm-hmm. horrible <laughs> movies. But there's a movie with... 
Mark Hamill. Really? In the like late 80s, early 90s called Slipstream. And it's Mark Hamill and Bill Paxton. And it's sort of futuristic, whodunit kind of thing. And it's good for being really crappy. For being really, it's like one of those so bad yeah. it's good kind of movies. Yeah. Yeah, you, you got to have some of those. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, I just wanted to say uh, rest in peace, uh, Bill Paxton. Yeah. And uh, you will be missed. And from forever here on, we will no longer confuse you with Bill Pullman. Did anybody ever do that? Oh, yeah. That's a that's a thing. That's oh, Joe, you're so not internet savvy. No. That is such a thing. Everyone confuses Paxton and Pullston. Paxton Pullman? and Pullman. Like, no, everybody those are does. two highly different It's just because actors. they're both Bill P. I know. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. But it's like a lot of people just confuse. They're like, wait, which one? Right, Which one right, is it? Right, yeah, So Gotcha. Uh, I also wanted to mention uh, there is a death in um, a Game of Thrones star, Britain's tallest man, Neil Fingleton. He died at the age of 36. What? Uh, if you watched Game of Thrones, he played Mag the Mighty. He was the giant, what are they, it was Pip and Wren. Mm-hmm. They were down in the, like, underneath the wall mm-hmm. where the gate is under the wall. And they they wound up, like, killing them. And he killed, they killed each other. Okay. Right? Underneath the wall. But he played the giant, massive giant. Oh, the giant giant. The giant. Yeah. yeah he played that giant. So I'm sure with, like, a lot of CGI. But, yeah. I mean, he was seven feet, seven inches tall. Wow. So, like, a, a, a great basketball player. Uh, and he, yeah, I mean, he was in like X Men First Class and Jupiter Ascending. Was he? he was only thirty six years old. He, he died of heart failure. And wow. I mean, that's what happens when you're that big. You know, some of the time your heart just can't keep yeah. up to, to circulate yeah. everything. So I mean, he was apparently in good shape. It just was, you know, just kind of a stress on the body. Kind yeah, of thing. yeah, yeah. So that are our two celebrity deaths that have just happened today, and just wanted to kind of point those out. And it sucks. Wow. And 2017 is shaping up to be almost as bad as 2016 at this point. Let's hope. So not. <laughs> yeah. So I, I hope not either. All right. So uh, let's get on to it, Joe. Vestigial. Traits. Right, the vestiges. <laughs> the vestibules. The, ve- <laughs> the vestigial actually comes from the French word vestige, a mark, trace, or sign, and also from the Latin vestigium, footprint or trace. Okay, so leaving behind a trace. Yeah, a remnant. A uh, clue, if exactly. you will. Some sort of... Some sort of a sign of something that used to be. Right, and not the Mel Gibson movie signs. Not not that. No, something totally different. Because everybody forgot about that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is a vestigial trait? Are you asking me? No. no. I can tell you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So we all go through an evolution. Changes. Okay? And, and the great part about science is science is... Absolutely real, whether you believe it or not. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. So the point is, is that we all go through evolution. At some point, uh, our ancestors, way, way back in the day. And our uncle sisters. And our uncle sisters had, I don't think, that makes me think of Uncle Fester. <laughs> had, uh, had things with their body that are completely different than our bodies are now. We weren't f- fully formed. We weren't 
poofed into existence right. as humans as we are now. Right. We it takes time to create. It takes time. Such splendor. Right. So we evolved from different creatures, mm-hmm. and uh, there are signs of these creatures that we once were, our mm-hmm. old ancestors, that are in our bodies right. and in other animals' bodies. All animals have these things. Mm-hmm. So uh, these are signs that are left over, showing that. Uh, not everything got completely bred out of us. Right. It can be defined as an organ of the body, degeneration, rudimentary, or atrophy having become functionless in the course of evolution. So some piece, like you said, that is just either no longer needed, no Mm -hmm. longer used, something that has not been developed completely or has stopped being used and has almost disappeared. Right. So, thus, the trace. Oh, I mean, I think that's really the clue. Almost disappeared. Right. Ha- hasn't completely. It's still just a little bit of something hanging on there. Right. But it is, yeah. But so, we don't really necessarily need it. Right. And it can be said that sometimes the vestigial traits aren't all useless. Mm-hmm. Some still have some kind of function in the body. Usually referring to genetically determinant features in the morphology, behavioral, or psychological, but they can still have some purpose in their current role. So vestigial traits can be an actual organ, Mm -hmm. an organism, DNA sequence, or just an involuntary action. Yeah, I kind of like that. That that is like one of the weirdest things that I came across. Yeah. Was the, yeah, like these actions that are taken that don't, don't need to be taken anymore. Right. Yeah. And we're going to get into some of those, mm-hmm. but yeah. So Charles Darwin was one of the first people to document and realize that these traits were evidence of evolution. Mm-hmm. He observed that the traits were necessary to the survival in one species, but it seemed to no longer be of use to the closely related other species of that of that kind. So take for example the iguanas in the Galapagos. There is a species that lives strictly down by the water. Mm-hmm. They hunt, swim in the water, and they live on those craggy rocks near the water. Them water lizards. And there's same species, just a different variant that lives up on the mainland of the islands. Mm-hmm. And they live in the trees and they hunt bugs and they eat fruit and stuff like that. And they don't ever come near the water. Right. So their color patterns have kind of changed. Their behavior has changed. And they're, they're literally, I mean, they, they literally live not far from each other, right. maybe a few miles. Right. But, but they're completely different. Yeah. Needs, wants, family building and things like that. One lives down here, one lives here, but they had to evolve in order to exist in those confines of the environment, water or land. So strange thing. Do you remember, this kind of like reminds me of when we did our Black Squirrels episode. Yes. So, which was a kind of a weird one where we, where I did like a narrative. It was a narrative episode that we did. But uh, I I, I was driving around DC, like I do sometimes, and I saw a completely white albino squirrel. Mm -hmm. Do you remember we had talked about that and how a lot of the time the, the, the gray squirrels Black squirrels and albino white squirrels are all the exact same species, but they're like the little Mendel squares 
mm-hmm. just happen to be white or black or or gray. Right. Even though they're all the same gray squirrel. Right. Well, I mean, so, the white, it, it could be a mutation in, in the genes or, or something of, of that nature. Right. And it can just happen randomly. I just thought it was crazy that I saw an albino squirrel, like, run out in front of me. And right. I was like, whoa, whoa, that guy was bright. <laughs> he was, like, such a bright white. I don't know if he was albino. He was probably a, just a white face squirrel because mm. I think his eyes were black. I didn't get that close to him. Right, you know right. what I mean? But I saw him, you know, driving around D.C. And I was just thinking D.C. is so famous for their black squirrels. Mm. And if you want to know more about that, go back and listen to the the, our, our black squirrels episode. Yeah. So scientists use these traits to link species and to prove that two or more species come from a common ancestor and thus the future generations will probably most likely inherit the decreased or now quote unquote normal form of that trait. Mm-hmm. So the cool thing is if there are no selection pressures, so a selection pressure is something that's pushing an organism to change. Right. If there aren't any that are actively trying to lower the health, the fitness of the individual organism, the trait will persist in future generations. Unless the trait is eliminated through genetic drift, thus spreading the genes apart mm-hmm. through you know, m- multi-species mating and stuff like that or other random evolutionary events. Now, that's the great thing about evolution, is that it's kind of a roll of the dice, but at the same time, it's that old adage of the strong will survive. Here, survival of the fittest. Right. Right. If an organism is adept at doing one thing and one thing very, very well, that will proceed into further generations. And they'll, they'll survive in the kind of environment where that one thing is is needed. Right. So, for instance, uh, I believe there were different types of finches that Darwin saw, mm-hmm. and some of them had different kinds of beaks for different applications. Right. Uh, for instance, there were certain kinds of, like, hooked beaks mm-hmm. or stronger, larger beaks that were able to crack nuts. Mm-hmm. So they had a tendency to live in the trees where they could crack nuts open. Others had smaller, skinnier beaks where in certain trees, certain bugs would live, and they were able to slide their little beak <laughs> little in. Pincers. and Yeah, and yeah. grab them, like, like, um, like needle-nose pliers. Uh-huh. So, you know... They, were, they all had different applications. So uh, if you're one of the ones with the pincher beaks and you can grab those, you're going to live in the trees that you can reach in and grab grubs. Right. Or possibly pick little tiny minnows out of the water, mm-hmm. you know, and those kind of things. So you're going to change, you know, depending on that. Right. Over millions of years. Yes. That, that's like the, the major thing. Yeah, that's thing. the caveat. Right. Right. <laughs> it doesn't so, happen overnight. It's yeah. not like weight loss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Joe. You're welcome. Although in many cases, the vestigial structure is at no direct harm, all the structures require energy in development, maintenance, weight. Once a trait becomes vestigial, mm-hmm. it still causes your body to use energy to have it in the body. Do you know what I mean? Mm, really? Yes. Because there's still blood flow going to it. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's I guess still, it's stuck to you no matter nutrients. what. I mean, you could chop it off, I guess. Right. But, which uh, does happen. Right. But it still causes your body to expend energy for that that organ, uh, whatever it is. Right. There also can be risks to those organs, even if they are not benign, but they're vestigial. Cancers, diseases, infections, and, and the like. 
So those things might apply some selective pressure to that vestigial organ or trait, but removal of the use or the phasing out of that vestigial trait can still take a very, very long time, even if it is through disease like cancer or something like that. Some vestigial traits can also be considered adaptation, a trait adopted through natural selection, i.e. Like, like the birds you were talking about. Mm -hmm. So it could be evolutionary, just random selection. It could be natural selection of survival of the fittest. This bird gets the worm, that bird gets the nuts. So it's selective, or it's completely random, or it's on purpose. Right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I get it. Multi ways that, that this can happen. I feel like I'm back in science class. Like back, <laughs> I know we like, got super fucking sciencey. In yeah, this we're like we're, get, we're 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 getting like really sciencey and not so funny here. Well, I I didn't I didn't. <laughs> there is a lot. If you guys want to know about stygial traits, adaptation, evolution, read. Trust yeah. me, there is plenty out there to learn. We didn't want to do that. Right. We're doing overview because it is a very deep subject. Can and be controversial for some people <laughs> to believe in evolution. I don't think anybody that listens to this podcast, but I mean, maybe yes. it's possible. So it is possible. Some of my uh, some of my relatives who uh, don't believe in evolution, possibly, you know, Did and you also have relatives like that. Consequently, also voted for Trump. Yeah, I have oh, a few. I'm, yeah, I feel bad. Uh, well, yeah. Sad. Oh yeah. I've got a, quite a bit of my uh, of my family who do not believe in evolution, and also completely voted for Trump, and they're all Republicans. And it's just, it is what it is, it and they're just, yeah, so they're, but they're in my family, and it's, I love them, and it's okay, they can be wrong. Yeah. It's fine. Just tell them that Republicans so, are vestigial traits. Right. That is, oh my God. <laughs> all right. Here's the thing, I don't have a problem with conservatives. It's, I don't it's, Yeah, I, I, I don't teasing. mind, I get it, I, I yeah. understand you know, that, right. that makes sense to me. Uh, but yeah, just this guy. Anyway, so, <laughs> Joe, do you want to get into some organs? Uh, well, Are you an organ grinder? <laughs> yes. Wait, no. <laughs> Wait, yes? <laughs> you mean examples? Sure, sexy, sexy. Okay, well, let's, let me talk about a few animals first before okay. we get into the, the old human... The human people? Yeah, well, because, I mean, I don't think there's a lot of dogs and cats listening to this episode. Right. So let's start with those. Mm-hmm. Whales and other cetaceans... Okay. ...evolved from four-legged land mammals, as we know, right? Right. It is true. Because we found similar species, similar traits similar bones and the sort of the evolution of how this land mammal turned into a whale. You can still find hind leg bones in some whales and other cetaceans. Like a baleen whale, you can still find that this sort of undeveloped hind leg bones near where its mid back fin area is. Yeah, where their legs would be. Right. <laughs> they were walking around. Yeah, exactly. But those are vestigial. Right. So in July of 1919, a female humpback whale was killed by whalers near, near uh, Vancouver Island. Uh, they discovered uh, two unexpected stumps on her lower body. It was determined that these elementary hind legs were about 1.2 meters long, or about 4 feet for 
our American listeners. Yes, but it's a freaking whale. It's a whale <laughs> and that had like, four foot long legs that were hanging out the back, basically. Right. That were vestigial. Mm-hmm. Like, it, obviously, uh, for some reason, they actually grew mm-hmm. in the whale's womb when uh, she was given birth to. Uh, and it sucks that she was killed, but I mean that. I mean, it was right. 1919. It was a. It was uh, almost a hundred years ago at this almost. point. Almost. So, yeah, who's counting? Uh, in 1956, an uh, adult female Kelshot was hunted uh, in Japan. It had a pair of back legs that were five centimeters or about two inches long, hmm. and this is uh, this is absolutely the worst one. Oh God! And you know, I. I really hate, like, if you're really an animal lover, you mm-hmm. you probably, this is, here, trigger alert going on right. here. So, a herd of 450 blue-white dolphins were slaughtered in 1963 by Japanese fishermen. Boy. One of the dolphins had vestigial hind leg stumps. It doesn't actually mention how long they were in this article, right. but scientists agree that the protrusions were not an abnormality, but a true reversion to the whale's ancestral bodies so it was you know every once in a while and i, I guess i don't want to get into it's it because really we're going to talk about the human people yeah it's not really like a mutation it's literally like at some point your body changes mm-hmm. during evolution your body changes but there can be sometimes where there's like an evolutionary step backwards yeah it's and a that's, step in the dna so sometimes right. they get jumbled right it's like flicking on and off a switch right right like like uh, there was a great article that I I, I watched oh I, I, li- I watched jeez listen to me there was a great article that I read in a Wired magazine where they were talking about chickens and how chickens of you know were at some point way back mm-hmm. you know millions of years ago were uh, you know came from you know basically dinosaurs right right they, they were larger like, flighted birds right now the the scales on on reptiles eventually became modified and became feathers. Correct. And that is how we have birds today. So a lot of people think that, uh, for instance, dinosaurs had hollow bones because they're very closely associated with birds mm-hmm. and they were much lighter than we think they are today because of those those hollow bones. Some very, of them, yes. Very similar. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so they were possibly putting out the idea that you could flip on and off a few of these evolutionary markers mm-hmm. inside the chicken embryo and be able to possibly create some kind of strange dinosaur chicken. Also, seems like a great premise for a horror movie. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, I'm talking Jurassic Park 4. Let's, you know what I mean? Yeah, let's, let's, chicken-nado. Yeah, Jurassic Park 5, or what is it? I guess it's Jurassic World now. Yeah. Let's just go ahead and do that in Jurassic World 2. Sure. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, yeah. so yeah, just so basically like these evolutionary markers got turned on and off very much like your Mendel squares, how, you know, you come out with curly hair instead of straight hair. Right, right. The same thing exactly happened with these, uh, you know, but on like a different chromosome mm-hmm. and boom, you have a dolphin with legs. Right. You know, it, it doesn't use them. They just kind of hang there, but they're mm-hmm. there nonetheless. Ostriches and emus and other flightless birds. They still have little chicken wings. You'd put some barbecue sauce on them and they'd be tasty, but they can't fly with them. So they lack the muscle and the structures that their ancient giant flying ancestors have because they evolved to have long, 
graceful legs and were adept at running away from things rather than flying away from things. Vampire bats. What? what, what? Mm-hmm. I want to suck your blood. Yeah, well, they do, uh, but they also have molars. What? Yeah. They have no reason to have molars. They evolved from bats that were probably fruit bats. Right. Which needed them to masticate the fruits. Right. They don't do that anymore, but they still have molars. Joe, can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. Do you think that Bram Stoker's Dracula had molars? <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's so funny about that? No, just your... <laughs> the kind of reading that you like. It's just oh, not okay, my cup okay. of tea. Right. Yeah, sorry. Whoa. Very similar to the whales and cetaceans, you have things like snakes. I like a snake. They evolved from other four-legged reptiles over some 100 million years ago. Now, we're, ta- we're not talking about legless lizards. No. Which are lizards without legs. We are actually talking about snakes, which right. are genetically different, right? Right. So boas and pythons are probably the most common snakes with this vestigial trait of having limb buds or pelvic spurs. Limb buds? Mm-hmm. I use those with my... Uh, uh, limb bud, my- <laughs> limb bud, limb bud. Limb bud, limb bud, limb bud. I was going to say I pop those into my, my cell phone so I can listen to music. <laughs> limb buds? Yeah, <laughs> them limb buds. The pelvic spurs, these little tiny like protrusions, used to be legs. Right, but aren't they... They're inside the skin now, right? They're kind not. Of. They don't really like stick out anymore? Kind of. Nowadays, uh, scientists think that they're used for things like mating... Mm -hmm. Sort of the the copulating snake wiggle dance, you know? Mm -hmm. But they used to be legs. Right, because they think at some point they uh, were evolved from some sort of lizard, right? Correct. So it it almost seems like uh, like the legless lizard is some sort of uh, missing link. Mm. (laughs) But aren't, I think, aren't like... Boas one boa constrictors, aren't they like one of the oldest? Yes. They're like they one, of one of the oldest, oldest type of snakes that they are. And they still have these little, like, basically hips. You know <laughs> right, what I mean? Right. Snakes got hips. You well, didn't even know. But I'm talking a hundred million years ago. Right. Yeah. Where they started to divert into this sort of right. legless version. Yeah. those hip, that's, actually, that's actually where modern belly dance came from. Is it? Yeah. The snakes. You know what I mean? Doing that undulation with those hips, you know? (laughs) I made that up. You totally did. (laughs) Now to my favorite one, because they actually did an experiment on this. The Astanix Mexicanus. I have no clue what that is. It is a tetra, a fish. Oh, okay. So it is a blind underground deep cave dwelling fish. I read about this one. Yes. Very cool. So it is off the coast of Mexico. The fish's eyes... In a, in a cave. In, a, in cave. a cave off the coast. Right. So is it, it's an underwater cave? Oh, yeah. Right, okay. So it is a deep cave, like utter darkness. Right, gotcha. That's where this, this fish lives. Utter, utter darkness. So the fish develops eyes, mm-hmm. okay, in the egg. But in its egg form, as it's growing, the eyes already start to degenerate. So even before it hatches. Right. It just starts to lose them. It just right. starts to go away. Yeah. Because it's, it's being born into a cave where there is no light. It has no reason to have eyeballs. Exactly. By the time it's born, the eyes are this sort of collapsed remnant with just a skin flap over them. 
I'm waiting for you to make some sort of gross. Like, I, I was thinking about yucky. it, and then I decided not to. I was I was thinking about maybe even talking about my my great uncle Will, mm. who only had one eye mm. and had like a skin flap over his one eye, and was just he told born me, in a cave. No, he wasn't. However, he uh, he did hang out in his house all day uh, and smoke like Paul Malls, <laughs> and he would watch me sometimes, and he'd tell me, "You can go outside and play, but don't run with the sticks." <laughs> <laughs> Point taken, Uncle Will. I know, right? Literally. So it's probably taken hundreds of thousands of years for this evolutionary trait to take place. So the fish lives in total darkness, right? There's the same species of tetra that lives near the mouth of the cave. But they got the eyeballs. Right. Mm -hmm. And they live near the light and, you know, the, the flora and the fauna and the light and all those things. Scientists had an experiment to do with the similar... With the fish heads? So here's the experiment. So they took the fish from outside the cave. We'll call it the light fish. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, this is the same damn species. Right. Okay. They took the light fish. That has eyes. And they took the eyes of the light fish uh -huh. and implanted them into a cave fish. Okay. The dark fish. Right. The dark fish. Well, they didn't take the eye. They took the lens. So they took that, implanted it into the, the dark fish. After eight days... After this little operation they did on this little tiny tetra, <laughs> after eight days, the eyes started to develop around the lens. After two months, the fish had developed a fully functional eye, a pupil, a cornea, and an iris. So it actually, like, that came, it came back. Right. The eyes came back. Right. The very next day. <laughs> well, no, two okay, months. Two, okay, two yeah. months later. Yeah. But that's crazy. But it's the same, it's the thing. It's like. There's a fish that lives in the, the mouth of the cave with light and dark and day and night. And there's a fish that lives way down in the depths. That doesn't need eyes. Right. Right. But they're the same. He's just down there reading fish braille. Right. <laughs> yes. The same species, just evolutionary differences, eyes, no eyes. So what happened to the fish that they, they took the eyes from? I think they put did, him in the cave. Did they give it like a little cane or something? <laughs> yes. It just seems like awfully. Exactly. Maybe he like developed senses like Daredevil? Yeah, he's Daredevil fish. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Daredevil I mean, it's fish. really cool except for the fact that they took eyes from a fish. I mean, that little fish. But it's... Um, it's for science. He gave them up to science. It blinded him with science. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. Oh, it hurts so good. <laughs> Before we get into humans, let me just... You're just bringing it back to Bill Paxton. I know. <laughs> Before we get into humans, I just want to note dandelions. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're a plant, correct? They are, yes. I make a damn fine wine. Yes. I, I make dandelion wine every single spring. Mm-hmm. So like most flowers, dandelions have the proper sex organs, right? Um, I mean, I would assume I never lifted up the skirt, but... <laughs> well, they do. They've got a stamen and a pestle, and they can propagate as a normal flower would. Right. But dandelions, through an evolutionary vestigial trait, do not use them anymore. Yeah, right. Don't they, uh, they, they like clone themselves or something, right? Right. They are asexual. So they basically reproduce by themselves. Yeah. So instead of actually... Having sex with another dandelion well, okay. and creating you, something. You say that like it's behind you hey know, man, some Maybe you've never seen some of those dandelions in the grass that I have. <laughs> Are they getting Blowing all up in on? the wind. Getting all up on. You know what I mean? 
Okay. When they're done, you make a wish and blow. Ooh. Oh, shit. Yeah. Well, they don't, they don't, so they, they still have the organs, which I, that's the vestigial trait. So they're vestigial by now. Right. So, so their sex organs are vestigial traits. Right. That sucks. Yeah, it does. <laughs> All right. So I wanted to mention one. What about the Dewclaw, Joe? Not only a fine Maryland beer. I was going to say, you mean the, the brewery? <laughs> but uh, but the, a dog's Dewclaw. Yes. Completely not needed anymore. Mm-hmm. A little tiny claw that's mostly on the front paws every once in a while on some dogs, also on the back paws. Right. I had a dog named Two Toes. Mm-hmm. He was a mutt. And I think it was a mutation, but his rear, his two hind legs, he had two dew claws on both hind legs. He had two dew claws? Yes. So we called him two toes because he had, he had two, two extra, extra toes. toes. The poor guy, every time he would run super fast, you know, like chase him in the yard or something, sometimes his hind legs would cross and he'd catch the, the dew claws together and he'd fall face first. Yelp, and then get up real slow, and he'd waddle over to you, and you're like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but you didn't want to. He was a full-grown well, dog by then. How some, do you dock those? Yeah, some some people do dock the dew claw because you're, th- those claws can, because they're not in contact with the ground, they don't uh, wear back. Right. You know? So and, they're just kind of floppity, and right. my dog, Two Toes, he would get hurt. Right, yeah. So some people do dock them. Yes. Which I think is a little bit better than docking of tails. Right. Usually docking of tails for dogs is uh, more about you don't want your it's afternoon tea knocked off <laughs> yeah. off the off yeah. the counter because of a powerful tail. Yeah. Which I you know, I I I, I think you can just change your lifestyle instead mm-hmm. of doing that. But when I was a little kid I thought pugs had their faces docked. Oh uh, no. So that's why no. they have those breathing problems. Oh god, and they pugs smell are just so, bad. so ugly they're cute. <laughs> just, they look like they just ran face first into a door and yeah, exactly. didn't, never their, stopped. Got their face docked. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, just another vestigial trait. They mm-hmm. do not need that anymore. But, right. you know, it's basically what is that? That's the thumb, right? Wouldn't basically, that be yeah. the, the fifth finger, the thumb? Right. I mean, and we share almost all the same bones, humans, mm-hmm. with whales, bats, some, some birds and some reptiles all the way up to our, our shoulder, we share a lot of the same bones, the right. bone structure. Yeah, yeah. Like every single bone is there. Right. They're just... In different positions. And different lengths. And different uses. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Hi, everyone. I'm Jessica Hinken. I'm Laura Wexler, and we're the hosts of the Stoop Storytelling Series podcast. We are a podcast in which you can hear true personal stories that are... Sad. Happy. Funny. Sad. Itchy. There's no itchy stories. Why did you say sad twice? Because we gravitate towards sadness. That's not true. It's very fun. You can download us on stoopstorytelling.com or iTunes. And you can also find us at the Peak Sloth Podcast Network. Thanks for listening. All right, Joe. Uh, did you want to start getting into humans? Sure. The human animal? Okay. I would say by far the biggest vestigial trait in humans uh, would be the appendix. Wouldn't you say? I would. I thought that was in a book. It is also in a book, <laughs> spelled the exact same way. Yeah. So it's basically, I would say the most, I wouldn't say the biggest. Let's just say the most famous yes. of the junk organs. Right. Right? Like the stuff that's left over. It's, see, but here's the thing. Like I talked about earlier, it still has a function. Well, let, well let's get into that. Okay. Because it was branded at one point in time mm-hmm. as a completely 
benign, but, useless yeah, piece of completely useless organ. Yeah. Now, so let me explain it like this: You have your large intestines, and they eventually go down into your small intestines. Right. Is that, is that correct? Sure. And then the small intestines go a long ways, a couple miles or whatever it is, so right? It wraps around the earth like five times or something. Yeah, and then into <laughs> and then into your anus. <laughs> yeah. So you poop stuff out. Out through your anus. Yes. Into oh, you're right. Absolutely. Out through your <laughs> anus, <laughs> yes. not into the anus. Right. So point being is that right there where the your 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 large intestines that come from your stomach attaches to your small intestines, there's this kind of like little thing that sort of hangs off of there, like a little tube. Uh, mm -hmm. And I like to think about it, if you've uh, ever seen balloon animals, if you blow <laughs> up a balloon animal, right, yep. and you have like the stuff that, that has the air in it, mm -hmm. and then you have that little part that didn't actually get stretched out and blown up, it just kind of hangs there on the end, mm -hmm. and you use that to make like the tail on a mouse or something right. like that when you make a balloon animal, that's kind of what the appendix looks like. It just sort of hangs there. Mm -hmm. uh, and for a long time, we thought the only use for it uh, was uh, to financially help surgeons <laughs> make money because it has a tendency to get very infected. Right. Because you have poop going through there. Yeah. And uh, some a little hard piece of poop gets stuck in your, your appendix and it gets inflamed and it needs to be cut out. Right. Right. Just like we were talking about some of these, you know, you're, you're still expending some sort of energy on having that piece. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of the times the energy uh, is someone else having to cut you open and take it out. Right. Uh, now, it has recently come to light that most medical professionals now think this junk organ is actually useful in some ways. Right. See, because now now we are we, we, we're kind of like clean living now. Right? Most places we have some kind of fresh water. We have the ability to clean and wash ourselves. So typically we're not eating a whole lot of bacteria anymore. And the stuff that we do have, we can kill off with most of our body's immune system, mm -hmm. as well as parasites, stuff like that. You're talking about gut flora and gut fauna. Right, yeah. So if, if you were, say, to swallow a parasite now, mm -hmm. uh, it, it can get into your system, mm -hmm. but it's not as easy as it was back when we were not living so well. Right. right? Well, plus nowadays, most of our f general processed foods are pumped with so much antibiotics and other things, it kind of kills the good and the bad flora and fauna in your gut. Right, right. So basically what medical professionals think now, uh, most scientists think that the appendix, what it does is, or what it did do, was that if you were to get some sort of parasite in your body, you basically were expelling from both ends. Mm -hmm. Like when you get that, you know, like like the what are they, the gut flu, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like a like a bug. Right. And you expel from the anus and you puke, you know, it, that whole thing. You're sitting on the toilet and then have to turn around, you know what I mean, to, to throw yeah. up into the toilet. Uh -huh. When you get one of those, your appendix holds a little bit of poop left over in there. And okay. in that little sack of appendix poop <laughs> is basically the 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 bacteria uh -huh. that you need to replenish your 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 body with. Okay. So you have all this, you know, all this bacteria that eats that food and helps break it down. 
So if you're expelling everything out of both ends, you're getting rid of all of that bacteria. Mm. And then you need to replenish it. It needs to be there to be able to be replenished. And they think that it just hangs out in that little appendix right there. Hmm. Kind of neat, right? Yeah. So it's really not a junk organ after all. However, you can have it cut off. It can be taken out of your body and you can still live and probably live very well in a very long time. Right. It's uh, not like removing your brain or removing your heart. Right. You will still function. Yeah, it's the same idea. Like, you can live without a leg. Right. You can still absolutely get along and live a very long, full life mm-hmm. with, with one leg. Right. You know? And it's the same thing with an appendix. Just yes. because it's missing doesn't mean you can't have a you know, long, full life. But if we went back to the day, if say, for instance, there was a zombie apocalypse <laughs> and, you know, you didn't have an appendix and you had to eat meat that probably wasn't very good and you had to... Cook it first. Yeah. That's what I yeah, say. Yeah, absolutely. Cook it first. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know, you got some kind of bacteria that made you expel from both ends. Right. That right. kind of thing would it, help save you. It does aid in helping with your replenish your digestive system yeah your bacteria good bacteria joe i'm gonna hit like from a few different lists that i found sure i i i I say this on way too many episodes but i'm like i'm not a huge fan of listicles but it kind of lends itself well to these sort of episodes because i digress let's just move on how about toes toes the human toe okay do we really need them uh i believe so no we don't they we don't use them anymore like, I, myself, I can pick up, no, no, no. like... But that's because we wear shoes. Yeah, but you that's You try the, trail that, running and barefoot runners, and you will know where all of your toes are. The point is, is that you cannot <laughs> grip anything with, with, your, with your feet. Oh, we don't have prehensile toes. That's my point. There's no reason to really have them. Okay. If, if we were all cloven <laughs> and walked around with right. hooves for feet... Well, and you know horses, the hoof, that is a one, that's one toe. It's one, yeah. So they they evolved from animals that had three, four toes with giant toenail. Right. And now horses, they're basically walking on a one toe. Well, yeah, one giant toe. Right. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. If we had one giant toe down there and not (laughs) five toes, we would be perfectly fine. And just walking around cloven, we can't pick up anything up with them. But you've never used like your 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 toes to sort of balance you if you're in on a rocking boat or something. But you, my point is is that if you had a solid plank of a foot and there was <laughs> they weren't separated, it really wouldn't matter. It wouldn't. Okay. Just like all polydactyl together. The only thing we really use toes for, I do, now here's the thing, is I can pick stuff up with my toes. With like your big toe and with, the next toe And the over. next toe. I can yeah. pinch stuff and pick it up. I've always been you able to do that. You can't do the like crunch with all, all of them together. I can't, you know but I mean? you can't grab stuff with it. Yeah, it's really can. not useful. Like I, I'm saying I think toes are vestigial. I really don't think that we need them. Okay. I think we should all just be cloven. <laughs> Keep the hands, just one big toe down there, cloven. Good to go. Okay. You know what I mean? Save money on shoes. (laughs) Okay. You know? Just like the vampire bats and their molars, we have wisdom teeth. Right. Uh, Which typically uh, get impacted. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Can be uncomfortable, grow in wrong. Right. Grow in all funky and weird. But we actually don't use them. Well, I I have three wisdom teeth that I have had pulled out Mm -hmm. because they were a pain. They hurt. Mm-hmm. I still have one that's sitting in there and it's impacted, uh, but it is not pressing up against anything, so it's not currently hurting. So I'm just leaving, and that is way under the skin, so I'm leaving that. However, right. I wanted to point out 
that my brother-in-law, Jamie, Dana's little brother, that man has no wisdom teeth. Okay. I mean... They just never grew in? No. He doesn't have any. Okay. So he's evolutionary... He's evolutionary... He's evolved past us. He has no wisdom teeth. (laughs) He was born without any wisdom teeth. He has none. But I... Could that be an evolutionary I think it could be. Or could that be a genetic mutation? I, I it, well, I think they're kind of one and the same, John. Ah. So, but my point is, is that there are people out there mm-hmm. that are born without wisdom teeth. Right. So, and now, wisdom teeth were originally there because when you had, uh, it just just like baby teeth, mm-hmm. your baby teeth fall out, your adult teeth come in. Right. Back before we had decent dentistry practices and knew how to take care of our teeth. Typically, you would have a tooth that would fall out, mm-hmm. and they would start pushing forward. Right. And then you would have another tooth to be able to chew on. And mm-hmm. it would probably have a little bit more room in there to actually pop out of your jaw. Right. So nowadays, most people keep their teeth for quite a long time. So mm-hmm. their their wisdom teeth aren't used and have to be pulled out. Right. And, you know, typically, like, when they're impacted and pushed and, like, sideways and everything, you're chewing on the side of it, mm. you know, and it's just not going well. And that that's why you get cavities in them a lot and have to get them pulled. Right. So right. Uh, now you say we don't use wisdom teeth. I have three wisdom teeth, and I was planning on making cufflinks out of them. Well, you can use them for stuff after they're out of your head. That's what I'm saying. I really want a nice pair of cufflinks with my wisdom teeth. I've got uh, sure. I've got two out of three to choose from. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> hey, Joe. So, have you ever seen like a like a real ghost? No. No. Have no. you ever Have you ever just been scared in the middle of the night? Uh. Haboo. No. No. I've been oh, watching geez. horror, dude. I've been watching horror movies since I was like six. All right, Joe. Have you ever had someone whisper in your ear? And you got goosebumps. No. Oh, are you serious? Yeah. It's You're usually not one of those it's soft usually, ear talkers? No, it's usually when oh, I get really Joe. cold. Oh, I just, I'm going to talk in your ear like it's ASMR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, goosebumps. No. So it's a vestigial human trait. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called the pilomotor reflex. Yes. Uh, when a person becomes cold or frightened, they have tiny muscles at the base of every single hair contact. Now, this causes the, the hair to stand on end. With animals, other animals besides humans, this makes the fur or the hair look thicker and it makes you look larger. Right. It's like the, the scruff of a dog's neck when he gets pissed. And he's, yeah, and the hair see, stands up. Yeah, right. it's kind of like... Rah. Same thing happens with a cat, right? They yep. do that thing where they recoil and, and they, and arch, they, and they, they arch in the middle. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So that hair stands up on end so that it makes them look larger, more intimidating. Uh, now, however, in humans, completely useless, especially with me since I'm bald. <laughs> well, you've got hairs everywhere else except for your head. Yeah, well, I, yeah that's true. That's well, true. The, but the thing is that we're not Wookiees anymore. As, as human beings, we, some people are, mostly, we don't have giant coats of fur all over our body. Well, except for our friend Ryan. Well, yeah, that's why I said some people. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Ryan. <laughs> but we've evolved to not need these large coats of, of man fur, lady fur, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, right. We've okay, evolved I'm not, not touching that one. <laughs> but we don't need them anymore. We've evolved past that because we're not mm-hmm. hunter-gatherers, we're not out in the wilderness wearing animal skins to keep us warm. 
in freezing temperatures. Right, and I also wanted to mention the idea of your 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 hair standing up on end when you're cold mm -hmm. is that it's able to trap the heat between the hairs to right. try and keep you warm. So right. your hair does, you know, instead of laying flat on you, mm -hmm. it actually sticks up, so it's harder for the wind mm -hmm. to blow through your hair and carry your your warm temperature away. Yeah, so, kind of like how we talked on our polar expeditions episode that the Inuits would wear the animal furs and the skins backwards. Right. And mm -hmm. the English people, they're like, what? why don't you wear the hair on the outside? And they had to explain, if you wear the hair on the inside, it will trap the warm air and, and keep yeah. you dry. Next to your and skin. Warm. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Leave, the, uh, leave the, 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 the leather to the outside. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Joe, so uh, how about them hiccups? Hiccups? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when we were in high school, mm -hmm. do you remember there was this girl who went to school with it. She, she was, you're a little bit younger than me, right? So you not, might not remember her. Her name was Erin. Uh, okay. And she, uh, she would hiccup like once an hour on the hour. Wow. Like constantly, always would be hiccuping. And I don't think it ever stopped. Like, okay. Like she just had like a rash of hiccups all the time. Every, you would just be sitting in class doing a test and you would just hear her hiccup. So is this... Is this like some dog breeds, i.e. chihuahuas, mm -hmm. because I've had several and I know people who have chihuahuas. They have an underdeveloped, uh, I think it's, I don't know if it's a larynx or something, but it's it makes them do that like weird little snorty thing if they get too riled oh, yeah. up. Mm -hmm. So is it something like that? I do that. Oh, my wife heard me do that the other day. When I have a hiccup, uh -huh. I don't like open up my mouth and hiccup. I, I wind up keeping my, my mouth closed, so I hiccup through my nose. Weird. I know. I do it all the time. And it, it's like, I don't even, I don't think I could do it right now. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. think I could make an impression of it. But I'll, I'll, I wind up keeping my mouth closed and I just go... <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of what it sounds so like. Weird. That's my impression. Yeah. But it sounds so funky, and everybody's like, "What the hell was that?" And I'm just right. like, "I was, I was a hiccup. Like I've been drinking too much water or whatever." Uh -huh. Now, uh, the hiccups they point back to a time when humanity's ancestors were actually amphibians. Ooh. Yes. Mm-hmm. So there's, uh, you know, lots of evidence for this, but they think that that hiccup reflex was controlled by an area of the brain that we share with tadpoles. The hiccup consists of a sharp inhalation followed by a closing of the glottis, the valve at the top of the windpipe. Uh, in tadpoles, which have the same reflex, the inhalation draws water into the mouth where their gills can process the oxygen it contains, hmm. but closes the glottis so the water does not enter the lungs. Ah. Now, it's, it's different because for tadpoles, it's a vital breathing reflex. Right. But in humans... It's a stupid hiccup. Well, there's also the fact that many embryos at certain stages, including humans, seem to have things like gill slits. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's part of it? Are you saying that humans have gill slits at some point? Yeah. What? Yes. I don't think I read this article. Yeah. In, in like, I'm talking tiny little two-week embryos uh -huh. that are forming have this sort of gill slit way of, I don't know if they have to actually breathe, but I think mm -hmm. it's just, it looks like gill slit. But then eventually it closes up and yeah. goes away. No, I had no clue. Mm -hmm. No clue at all. Well, I guess uh, since you're talking about the embryo, that kind of leads us to the 
true human tale, Joe. Ooh, the coccyx. Right. Uh, and we were kind of talking about that a little bit at the top of the episode. Mm-hmm. I totally want a prehensile tail. Your coccyx, better known as your tailbone. Joe, don't be talking about my coccyx. <laughs> you ever broke your coccyx? Uh, no, and hopefully I never do. It. Well, I've never broken it, but I've busted it up pretty good, and it's not fun. Well, okay, we talk about this a lot, but... But. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> Unintentional pun. Mm -hmm. So, uh, there is a certain time... Joe and I drive for our day jobs. Yes. And there is a certain point in time where you're driving 14, 15 hours in a day <laughs> where you start to get something that uh, I believe car manufacturers call tail burn, mm. where your butt starts to hurt. Yeah. Really starts to get sore, like right there at the top of your crack. <laughs> yep. You that, know what I mean? That's pretty much where your tailbone is. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 it's, and that's what it is. It's tail burn. Your, your butt starts to hurt. And I think that has to do with the fact that you have a bone under there. Right. There is a bone in your coccyx. <laughs> <laughs> so it is the very last part of your vertebra. It's the remnants of a lost tail. So every mammal on the planet has a coccyx, the end of your vertebrae. Right. Uh, now, on rare occasions, human infants are born with a short, non-prehensile, but undeniably real tail. Yes. Between the stages 14 and 22 of the human embryogenesis part of human life in the womb... You can actually observe the, the, the structure of the tail uh, usually being absorbed later on in the process. Yeah, they actually, like, absorb the, yeah, the tail back up. So they start to create it, and they go, nah, this isn't really needed. Yeah, I don't really need this. And it, like, sucks up the nutrients again, very much like what you were talking about with your, your, your cave fish earlier. Right. So it starts growing the eyes and it goes, oh, we don't really need this. This evolutionary trait will flip that light switch off. Exactly. And it doesn't grow it. Mm -hmm. So, but for some people, uh, that tail, uh, that little tail light switch is turned on. The chromosome is turned on and they do grow a, a tail with fully functioning nerves, blood vessels, muscle fibers, and, uh, and sometimes a few extra vertebrae. Mm-hmm. And there was a good episode of Ripper Street, mm -hmm. which is a show on Netflix. Really, really good. It kind of centers around... A person with a tail? No, no. It's, it centers around Whitechapel during the Jack the Ripper what, Isn't it like the year after? I, yes. I watched like the first season, I think. It's a, it's a really, really good show. It's I call it like CSI Whitechapel. Right, okay. Because it's very similar. Yeah. But there was an episode where I believe they were sideshow performers. Uh -huh. One that had passed away through nefarious things. She had an, a very prominent tale. Did they show this tale in yeah. the episode? Yeah, it was halfway down her crack. Okay, I'm going to continue to watch this. Uh, so, all right. <laughs> Since we're talking about cracks, and we don't normally ever do this, uh -huh. I just want to say that I also have a theory because I've been, I've never been a thin person, okay? Mm -hmm. But I am probably at one of the heaviest that I've ever been, okay? Mm -hmm. And I have to say, it seems as though the heavier you get, the higher your crack just starts creeping up <laughs> your back. Creep up. 
And I, I, I haven't got a chance to ever call that crack creep. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I, it's creeping up to the point where it's like, like I, I seriously. In between your shoulder blades. Yeah, I, like my crack starts in between my shoulder blades now. <laughs> like it goes all the way down. Okay. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. So you're just a big giant ass. It's 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 <laughs> awful, man. I need to start losing some weight again. So I, you know what I mean. My butt doesn't hang out the top of my pants all the time. Right. So. Or start wearing your pants underneath your elbows. My, underneath my armpits. Yeah. Like it's the, like 1940s. Yeah. Exactly. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. I want to see my ass. <laughs> Pull down my armpit. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I went swimming today. Oh, good. I for know you. it's freaking february right i went swimming today we went swimming last weekend indoor pool they I have hope. a cover over <laughs> okay, it yeah good. so i've been trying to lose some weight i've been trying to do it and then i also went to macaroni grill today so you just negated all of that swimming. Uh, yeah yeah <laughs> thanks yep i basically yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I, i'm just gonna go home and eat some ice cream well as being i used to be a, a very large person now being a not so large person my tailbone it now seems like it... It starts at your knees. Well, it sticks out like a sore goddamn thumb. Mm-hmm. So if right. I sit down wrong, I'm like, ouch, tailbone. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So now it's like, I wish I had a large, round ass still. <laughs> you know, where my just... crack was up behind my head. Because <laughs> sometimes that hurts. Because <laughs> your butt hurts too bad. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. I'm all kinds of butt hurts. All right. Well, I'm glad that we got that out on the table, Joe, because I sure. think that was really important. Yeah. It feeds the narrative. All right, Joe. So, oh, kind of a weird one. And this isn't an organ, okay? has nothing to do with an organ. It's kind of like what we were talking about with the actions that your body takes. Okay. Okay, this is called the vitamin C pseudogene. So unlike most mammals, humans cannot synthesize their own vitamin C. So most mammals can create vitamin C in their gut. Mm -hmm. Okay, very much like, uh, what is it? Uh, From sunlight, we actually create, what is it, vitamin A? Or is it vitamin D? I always get it mixed Uh, up. I think it's D. Is it D? Mm -hmm. But most vitamins we can synthesize through the foods that we eat. We can actually like put those building blocks together and create Mm -hmm. those you know, those acids and, uh, and it's perfectly fine. Right. Humans, however, cannot create vitamin C in any way, shape or form, which means without external sources, without external sources, okay. which means we have to eat them through external sources. Uh-huh. So we have to eat citrus in order to get that. We have to eat and leaf- not get scurvy. Yes. We have to eat leafy greens in order to get that. Uh, we have to actually ingest it as a part of our diet uh, to fight off the disease of scurvy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, this one little thing that happens in humans, okay? This is uh, people who do not believe in evolution, people who believe in, say, creationism, people okay. who believe in other things and do not believe in evolution. This is their one of their main sticking points mm-hmm. for saying that we do not derive ourselves from animals. Okay. We do not evolve from other animals, that we were created this way. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to point that out there, that this is probably one of the, the main arguments of, gotcha. of, of that uh, disbelief in evolution. Okay. So because uh, if it was true, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense why our ancestors were able to do it and we can't. However, like we've been talking about, we have our genes that can be flipped on and off with a light switch mm-hmm. when we're born. Uh, we're talking about those little Mendel squares, you know, changing different things in your body. Mm-hmm. Uh, and humans have just lost this ability, most likely due to the fact that for a very long time, we've been able to hunter gather, hunter gather and grab fruit 
mm-hmm. uh, off of the tree, able able to use our prehensile fingers. Right. Our, our thumbs. Our thumbs, <laughs> our opposable thumbs, uh-huh. to grab a fruit off the tree and eat it. So okay. we no longer really need that. Unless, say for instance, you were out on a ship in the middle of the ocean where uh-huh. they have no fruit <laughs> and you're only eating fish. See, uh, which really don't have a whole lot of vitamin C either. So what their argument is, is that herbivores and some omnivores will eat fruits and vegetables off of trees and things and intake vitamin C through that way, as well as be able to process or make it from their own bodies. Is that right. What well, their, I, their look, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make uh, a evolutionary disbelievers argument mm. for them. No, no, no. But I'm, I'm saying that's but, probably what what the argument would be just logically. Yeah, yeah. Like why giraffes eat all these fruits and vegetables off of trees and not fruits and vegetables, but leaves and stuff that have vitamin C in them. Why can they still make it in their own bodies? Right, exactly. And But the, the point is, is like we've talked about, uh, it, it, it's evolution is kind of a roll of the dice, mm-hmm. right? We don't need it. So it just happened to go away. Right. You know, just how some things happen to stay, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, what is the little the little thing on your ears, right? That little little piece. You mean the the little pointed part on the top of your ear? Right. Yeah. yeah it used to actually for most primates and monkeys, uh, it was it had muscles, mm-hmm. so you could move your ears. Right, like little tiny satellite so, dishes. Yeah. yeah. Right, Better and, and you you see dogs do it today, right? Mm-hmm. So if an ambulance drives by, you know, uh, in the middle of the night, your dog is going to sit up and its ears are going to perk, and he's going to actually move his ears to be able to 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 listen to that. Right. Well, also you'll notice that most dogs have a bit of a point to their ears. Mm-hmm. Humans, most of us at least, have that as well. However, because the way our ear curves over at the top, you don't necessarily notice it. Right. But we all, most of us, have a no, a little, little tiny point. point, right? Yeah. And it's a vestigial trait. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, the ability to move your ears. Can you wiggle your ears, Joe? No, I can't. I can't either. However, I can, I can with my jaw, but that's that's just the but muscles. But you can't, you can't think about it and actually like move no. your ears and will them to move. Right. However, my mother can. Well, and I think it's what, 10% of the population? I, yeah, can do something that. like 10%. So, it, it, strange thing, my mother can do that, mm-hmm. I cannot. Uh, she is my birth mother, right? you know, uh, but that was a trait that was not passed on down to me. Mm-hmm. And eventually when my son gets old enough, I'm going to check and see if he can do it. You know what <laughs> I mean? Because at some point our, down our family line, uh-huh. it's in there. It's in those genes. Fun point is that chimps have also lost that trait. Really? Yes. Uh, also, chimps, uh, one of the other primates, they don't have tails. Mm, Pointing that out. Yes. Right? Uh, we also brought that up during our uh, during our last episode when we talked about uh, Curious George. Yeah, Because that's right. he's a chimp without a tail. Right. Just uh, just pointing that out. Hey, Joe. Yes. What about your man titties? I what? My you moobs? Want, let's talk about your moobs. My moobs? My moobies. <laughs> let's, let's talk about your nips. Okay, so it, there's a funny story. I wore a costume one time with a really low-cut shirt, mm-hmm. and I'm rather wooly right. in the chesticle region. <laughs> oh, good lord. So uh, I had to shave, nair, some, I had to do something with that large disco you, patch that I you own. You took off the hair. Right. right. Uh-huh. So in doing that, I... You know how you do when you shave your beard 
in your privacy of your own home, you'll shave like a funky, weird porn stash or something. You're like, I wonder what it looks right. like if I have the Hitler stash. No, oh. I wonder oh. what it looks like if I just have a weird, like crazy long honey dipper. I, I'll, just, I'll just, I'll just keep thing. the uh, the soul patch or yeah, something. So, like you, and, and we've all done it. Let me just keep that soul patch for one day and yeah, see what happens. See I'll what shave happens. it tomorrow. Yeah. So I did that with my chest. See hair. if my wife likes that. Yeah. Right. So I did mm-hmm. that with my chest hair, and I I did it in the shape of a bra. Oh, you did not. <laughs> I did. So I was like, I wonder what, what would happen if I just did two long, you know, and sort of like my man cleavage. Uh-huh. I don't I don't have an ample bosom. Oh, God, please tell me you have a picture of this. <laughs> no. Oh, why would you not? <laughs> because. Oh. Privacy of my own home. Gotcha. Okay. But what about my man moves? Well, uh, male nipples, uh, for the most part, are vestigial. Right. Vestigial. Vestigial? Vestigial. 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 Right. So uh, they don't really do a whole lot. We they don't just kind of sit there, right? We don't lack. We don't. Well, that's what I'll just point it out. For. There is a possibility that some men do every once in a while. Well, yes. And we don't want you to feel weird. That's no. perfectly fine if you lactate. Most men don't. Right. That's but what we I'm have saying. no problems if you do. <laughs> uh, right. So there are some instances where that has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, however, most men have really no use for their nipples besides possibly some sexual pleasure. Right, and I think that's probably a small percentage too, right? Right. I mean, because yeah. large... I myself uh, have my both my nipples pierced, mm-hmm. and uh, just like to flaunt those every now and again. I mean, you know, right? Sometimes you just want to feel sexy. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh huh. So, but yeah, uh, it's an evolutionary trait that is left over from uh, the absence of the fetal Y chromosome. Right. Uh, the embryo will develop uh, into a full, full-blown full female when a Y chromosome is present. However, the fetus will produce hormones like testosterone mm-hmm. and develop into a male. But the nipples pretty much just hang out there. They have... They're just waiting re- for what line they go in. Right. So, so basically, we all start out as female mm-hmm. in the embryo. Eventually... If, if, however, you're the, the dice, the dice out. gets rolled and it <laughs> right. turns out that you're a male, uh-huh. you generally, you don't really have like a lot of breast tissue. Right. You start producing more testosterone. Your body says, okay, everybody change over to this form. Right. Rather than stay at that form. Yeah. yeah. You, you can keep the nips, mm-hmm. uh, but you're not getting the boobs to go along with it. Yep. So, or you have to eat a lot of macaroni grill to get those. Yeah, or Batman Forever costumes. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, just really something that's not needed on the body. It is needed in females if yes. they want to reproduce mm-hmm. because uh, your 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 boob <laughs> creates the milk mm-hmm. uh, for you to be able to feed your child. Right. All mammals have nipples. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> I have a story that I don't want to tell about your sister uh, and don't, your please. old dog Shiza, who loved me. Uh, your old dog Shiza loved me so so much, and she would sit in my lap all mm. the time, and I would pet her, and I loved her, and she loved me. Mm-hmm. And your sister one time went, "Chris, that dog has more titties than any other girl you've ever dated." <laughs> And she I did. Was like, she had like like an odd number of of nipples. I can't. Didn't didn't like she have 13, like seven or like yeah. seventeen or thirteen? It it's like weird. why is that? Oh my god! I feel really, I feel really gross saying that. But that is what your sister said to me, hands yeah. down. Yeah. So anyway, on that note, 
I feel like I've let a lot of stuff going out about bud cracks and nipples. We are talking about bodies here, so true. It's gonna you know happen. what I mean? Yeah, it's gonna happen. People. Yeah. So I feel like this one was really backloaded with a lot of weird <laughs> stuff, like front loaded with science, science, science. Even uh -huh. though we're not scientists, backloaded with a lot of gross, weird body stuff. Sure. Personal <laughs> body stuff. Personal body stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh God! All right, Joe. So I have uh, one last little thing. Like, let's let's call it an appendix Ooh. to this episode. Okay. <laughs> so I love the uh, the podcast Ninety Nine Percent Invisible. Mm -hmm. I, do you listen to it? Yeah. Okay. So they had an episode that I I've always really liked, and uh, it was about Thomasons. Do you know what Thomasons are? The muffin people. No, not Thomas's English muffins. <laughs> uh, so there was a baseball player. His last name was Thomason. Okay. okay, and if you want to get more into this, you can listen to the 99% Invisible episode. Uh, but basically, he did something where he was a, a great baseball player here in the U.S., and then he transported to Japan, where he had, like, a contract for something like two years mm -hmm. and continually struck out. And, well, baseball's a huge thing in Japan. Right, yeah. absolutely huge. And point being, he, he kept on striking out. So they nicknamed him something that it was, like, the Rotary Fan or mm -hmm. whatever, but because he basically kept on whiffing. And wasn't able to hit the ball. And fulfill the contract. And, yeah. So <laughs> right. he kept, uh, so basically he sat on the bench for the rest of his contract. Okay. And uh, like I said, his last name was Thomason. Mm hmm So uh, there was a, an, a, a photographer who took that name Thomason and started calling a lot of his pictures Thomason. And what he was taking pictures of was of architecture and buildings where something had changed in the building mm -hmm. and it left something there that was vestigial. Oh, So for okay. instance, for instance, you would have a building that had where originally some sort of steps would have went up to a second floor, mm -hmm. a, a balcony on the outside where the steps have come down but you still have a door that opens up on the second balcony. Gotcha. So have you ever seen that on a building? Oh, yeah, like, many like times. Like it's just like a door that opens up to nothing mm -hmm. because originally there was some sort of fire escape that Landing, went there. Landing, fire, anything. Right, yeah. and, and so there's just a door that just opens up and goes to nothing mm -hmm. because, say, the deck got taken down right? or, or what have you. Yeah. Or maybe it was built there thinking you were going to put a deck, but you never put a deck. Right. So it's... these are called Thomasons, or oh. as I like to think of them, uh, vestigial traits of buildings. Neat. Another really cool thing is there's a few pictures of of handrails mm. where there used to be stairs, right. but the stairs have been taken down and it's just a handrail there on going the side of the nowhere. building. Yeah, going nowhere. Now, uh, I wanted to mention that there's one, I believe on Baltimore Street, uh, in Baltimore City, mm -hmm. on Baltimore Street, on the west side of the city, when we deliver at Bon Secours Hospital. Mm -hmm. You're coming back along Baltimore Street and on the right side of the road there, there's still an arch that looks like it's an arch from a... A, a fire, a fire firehouse. station. Yeah. So it looks like an arch from a firehouse. The front, the it's not a facade because originally it was the front of the building. Right. So the front of the building with the fireman's arch is still there, but behind it is just a field of grass hmm. where it has been taken down and they 
they put grass instead of having like a parking lot. But they so, left the arch up because what? It looks nice. It's beautiful. It's, yeah. So leave the arch up. So they left the arch up because it's structurally sound, mm-hmm. but they took the rest of it down. I b- believe also because it's concrete and they probably would have had to really go in there with jackhammers. <laughs> right. Instead right. of just a sledgehammer yeah. to knock all the brick down. Uh-huh. So, but just a, a Thomason that I see in daily life, mm. you know, and pass by all the time. Yeah. But there's some really cool pictures of some different Thomasons, uh, just you know, that are on these couple of web pages that I'm going to be putting on the, you know, onto the, onto the show notes. Cool. So just a, I just think it's really cool. Like a vestigial building trait, you hmm. know, sometimes you'll just see like a, a set of glass doors that are sitting there that originally opened up to some sort of, you know, some sort of high rise building where the high rise has been taken down, but they just left the doors there. Neat. You know? So yeah, it's, it's all very, very cool. Uh, sometimes you have like plumbing fixtures mm-hmm. that are hanging out, coming up out of the ground <laughs> that are still there. Uh-huh. You know, I, you, you've probably seen maybe some like, wasn't there like that Rampage, that old game for like Nintendo? Where, oh, yes. Where, they, where they, they, they would like knock down a building, but there would still be like a toilet there <laughs> on like, <laughs> like. Yeah, like just still hanging out outside of the building or whatever. Yeah. 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 So another example of a, of a Thomason. Okay, so I believe the the guy's name was Akasaganegua Genpai. Okay, was the was the artist's name. Huh. So I apologize uh, for completely slaughtering that, but uh, <laughs> he is he is known for for this uh, Thomason artwork and these these photographs. Very cool. You see, it's a a picture of a tree. That originally oh, yeah. had like like uh, like a little brick fence mm. and then an actual wrought iron fence that was stuck into it. Right. And at this point, the tree has grown into the fence. Uh-huh. So the tree and the fence are one. So at that point, the fence has no... No, no point. No point in right. being there except for right. the fact that it's there. It was made to be put around the tree so no one stepped over it or fell over it. <laughs> and or, the tree took over. And the tree took over. Right. Yeah, or no reason to, like, to, you know, so they wouldn't run their bike into it and mm-hmm. knock the tree over. Mm-hmm. So now it's a beautiful birch tree mm-hmm. that is incorporated into the fence. So the fence is a Thomason at this nice. point. Nice. Or vestigial. There's no need for it, but it's still there. Mm-hmm. So, and it is just uh, visually appealing. Yes. All right, Joe. So on that note, I think uh, I think I'm done. All right. I don't want to talk about the vestiges no more. <laughs> Vestigium. So if you out there, any of you have any vestigial traits, uh, a third nipple maybe, uh, a tail, uh, you know, send us a picture. Feedback at thecurioso.com. We want to see pictures of those tails. Uh, we promise <laughs> we won't share it. We will enjoy it for our own pleasure. That sounds really gross. <laughs> sounds really gross. Don't Let's do record that. this one again. Let's don't do okay. that. Okay. All right. All right. So if you have um, stories to tell about things like that. Get a hold of us. How's that? Send pictures. Don't 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 do that. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see that tail. I still want one. It's a whale of a tail. You see. Imagine climbing a tree, and like you slip or you fall, and your tail catches you. Come on, that's uh, awesome. Yeah. Well, I tell you what. Uh, if I find a genie, uh, we will split the wishes. Okay. We, we uh, each get one and a half wish. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll just both wish uh, that we own our, our own company that will support us for the rest of our lives. I can wish for cloven hooves, and no. you can wish for a tail. Sweet. Kick ass. Let's do that. <laughs> and there we go. All three wishes done. Yes. Sounds good. Pinky swear. Oh, with my, my prehensile. With your prehensile pink. Oh, okay. yeah. All right. I'm out of here. <laughs> 
for listening to the Curioso Podcast. You can tweet us at Curioso Podcast. You can also check out our videos, youtube.com backslash Curioso Podcast. You can call our voicemail line, leave us a message, 443-327-9673. On your touchtone phone, that spells Hydasaur. On the Curioso.com website, on the left-hand side, you can help support the show by clicking on our Amazon link. And if you're a real Curioso, we need you to go on and give us a great five-star review on iTunes. It will help us get more listeners, and it'll make you feel good about yourself. It's like, blah, blah, blah. It's blah, blah, blah. The it's more you gross. know. Boop, 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 so, But um, anyway, I just thought that was really funny. So nice. please don't put that on the episode. Sure? Please don't. Damn it. I, I know you really like I it, but I, it. I really don't. I really don't want that part on there as the thing. Okay, can I put this on here? Uh, oh, no. Please don't. <laughs> please don't.